We're in a series called God, Love, and Sex, and God is going to do some awesome things throughout this series. Started last week, and, and I'm excited with, uh, that God's going to really, really transform some marriages, some future marriages. Matter of fact, it's my desire as pastor of People's Church. It's really uh, just a burning, burning passion of mine that I desire to see every marriage, to see every future marriage at People's Church thrive and not just survive. Now, 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 there's a lot of marriages that are just surviving and not and not thriving. And, and understand something: a, a thriving has nothing to do with longevity. There are people, and you know some people that have been married for years, been married 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and and they ended up getting a divorce because the marriage for years was just surviving and it wasn't. Thriving. There are also newlyweds, you know, that, that have been married for six months and it ought to be wonderful. They're newlyweds getting to know one another, blissful, just, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful time. And yet, it's not wonderful. The, the, the newlywed marriage is just surviving instead of thriving. And over the next several weeks as we're in this series, God, Love, and Sex, it's my prayer that God Almighty causes your marriage that may just be surviving today to start thriving. It's my prayer that your future marriage will be a, a thriving marriage marriage. It's my prayer today that, 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 that if your marriage is thriving over the next several weeks as we look at principles from God's word, that your marriage will never enter a season of just surviving. What I want us to do to begin this message today is I want us to look at, at point number one. I'm going to have some more introductory thoughts in, in point number one. When, when marriages are just surviving, point one, it's because people ignore the warning signs. They ignore the warning signs. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 22. I want to also, just so you can have a head start, if you have a Bible with you, turn to James chapter number 3. And just keep your finger in James chapter 3. We'll come back there momentarily. But look with me in Proverbs 22 and verse number 3. The Bible says, a prudent man sees danger, sees the warning signs. And take refuge, it takes refuge. In other words, the, 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 the prudent man, the wise man, the wise woman, they see the danger, they see the warning signs, and they do something about it. They take refuge. But scripture says, but the simple, the, the, the non-wise, the non-prudent, that they see the same danger. They see the same warning signs. And scripture says they keep going and suffer for it. You know, marriage is a, a lot like a, a vehicle, like a car, and most of us in this place, we have, have a vehicle that, that we drive, and marriage is a lot like a, like a car, because if, if you want your car to function properly, if you want your car to, to operate right, you have to make sure that it has regular maintenance, and, and you take care of it, have routine uh, things done to your car. You know, it's a bad deal. Some of you, you, you do this. It's a bad thing when you get your oil changed once every 12,000 miles. I mean, you're going to have problems. It's a bad thing that you don't ever get a tune-up. You don't ever get the tires rotated and balanced. And yet, you just keep driving it as though nothing is going to ever go wrong. And you don't ever have to do any maintenance on it. And you know what I love about cars? That they even have these little lights on cars. They're called check engine lights. And some of you just think they're Christmas lights. Because it comes on your car, and you just, isn't that pretty? That's, and you just keep driving. You don't do anything about it. I mean, you just drive it as though the car will always just continue to operate properly without any maintenance. Matter of fact, this is a true story. I used to have a, a green Ford Taurus. 
And I'm just telling you, this thing was from God. I mean, God's hand was on this car. I, I would drive this car, and, and I, I can be bad about maintenance stuff, and I just didn't hardly do anything to this car. I just drove it and drove it, and, and some of the staff would, would get in the car with me, and we'd be on our way to lunch, and my car would make noises. I mean, I drive just making these funny noises. I said, Herbert, something's wrong with your car. You hear that noise? It's kind of, you know how you turn the radio up louder so they don't hear you. Know. And they're hearing this noise. And, 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 and the next week, we would get back in my car, and we would drive, and that, that noise wasn't there anymore. They said, Herbert, did you take your car in and get it fixed? Nope, just prayed, and it's healed. The car is well now. And I would just drive that car and drive it and drive it and drive it, and, and nothing went wrong with my green, pretty Ford now, I don't recommend that for you because some of you right now, you got to check engine light on. You're thinking if it for work for pastor, it'll work for me. Listen, don't you try. You're going to get stranded on I-44 and you're going to try to blame me for your problems. But listen, it's the same thing in marriage. Many people, many people treat their marriage just like that. They don't do any maintenance. They don't do any routine checkups. They don't invest anything in their marriage. And they just keep going. And the marriage is suffering because of it. Matter of fact, in some of your marriages today, there's a warning light on in your marriage. And you see the one, and the Bible says the simple, they see the danger, they see the warning, and they just keep going. And some of you are doing that. There's a warning light on in your marriage, and you just keep pretending like nothing's wrong, like everything's just going to work itself out. I know we're not communicating like we used to, but it's okay. It's going to work itself out, and you just keep keep driving. I know we're drifting apart instead of getting closer together. Over the years, we, we have drifted apart, and, and you just think it's going to get taken care of all by it, and you just keep going. I, I know we haven't been on a date without the kids in, in a couple of years, but, but we're okay. The marriage is fine. It's going to work itself out, and you just keep driving like everything it's fine. I know we haven't been intimate in months, but, but it's okay. We're, we're married. It's going to work out. And you just keep driving. I know we're yelling and screaming at each other, and, and we've got problems, and, and we go to bed with problems, and then we wake up, and we pretend like the problems have went away, even though we've done nothing about it. And we just keep driving and pretending like everything's okay, and we try to bombard it with, and, 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 and soak our problems away with, with golfing or shopping or with the kids, and we just pretend like everything. It's fine. Here's what I want to ask you to do today. As we go on in this message today, as we go on in this series today, if you're going to receive help, if God's going to really help you, here's what you have to do first of all, is you've got to admit something's wrong. You've got to admit the warning light is on in your marriage. You have to quit ignoring it. You have to quit playing games and say, you know what, there's some areas out of whack. But there's some areas that, that need some, some maintenance. There's some areas that, that need a, a tune-up in, in our marriage. The Bible says a prudent man, they see the danger, they, they see the warning signs and take refuge. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. There's a, a second thing that I, I want us to see today. Number two is this, why marriages just survive. People let selfishness dominate their marriage. Look with me in James chapter 3. We're going to spend the majority of our time here looking at James 3. Verse 13 says, who is wise? What a great question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. 
And in this passage of Scripture, James explains to us that every person on planet Earth is operating with either with two kinds of wisdom. They're either operating with worldly or human wisdom, or they're operating with godly wisdom. Did you realize that today? Today, either you're operating your life and your marriage with, with human or worldly wisdom, or you're operating your life and your marriage with, with godly wisdom. And here's what I know. Without ever talking to you, without getting to know you very well, I, I know this about you and your marriage. If you're operating your marriage with, with worldly wisdom, you're suffering the consequences because of it. You're paying the price because of it. And if you're operating your marriage by godly wisdom, you're reaping the rewards of it. You're reaping the benefits from it. And, and James goes on to tell us in verse number 14, he gives us two characteristics of people who operate their lives and their marriages by, by worldly wisdom. Look at this, James 3 and verse 14. James says, but if you harbor bitter envy... And selfish ambition, James says, you want to know what worldly wisdom looks like? You want to know what human wisdom looks like? It's bitter envy. It's selfish ambition. It's about me, myself, and I. I'm a self-centered person. It's about my wants and my needs and my concerns. And what I want to see, it's all about me. He says, if this is the case in your life, don't boast about it or deny the truth. If you're having marriage problems today... I can tell you exactly why. I can tell you exactly the problem that's taking place in your marriage. You may give me all the peripherals and say, well, it's money or unfaithfulness or lack of commitment. We're not talking. You give me all the peripherals of what's going on. But I don't even need to sit down and talk with you to know what's going wrong in your marriage. It's just one word. It's called selfishness. And when a, a marriage is consumed with selfishness, there will be problem when a marriage is consumed with one person or both parties saying it's about me i gotta have it my way i want what i want that marriage is headed for a disaster and james goes on to say in that very next verse verse number 15 he says such wisdom this this worldly wisdom he says does not come down from heaven but is earthly in other words it's from this earth it's from this world it's human it's unspiritual it's of the devil James says there's nothing spiritual about making your life and your marriage all about you. You know how we try to justify it? Well, you have to understand it's about me and my wants and my needs and, and, and God wants my needs and my concerns. It's all about me. And, and, God, and James says, listen, if your life and your marriage is consumed with you, it's of the devil. It, it's not of this world. It's, it's, un, it, it's unspiritual. It, it's, it's of this, this world. And he goes on to say in, in verse number 16, and this is what I love. He gives us the consequences of operating our lives by worldly wisdom. James 3, 16, he says, for where you have, wherever you have, whether it's in your workplace, if you have worldly wisdom, if it's with your kids, you have worldly wisdom. It's, it's with some relatives, you have worldly wisdom. It's, it, it's, it's in your friendships, you're operating by worldly wisdom. If it's in your marriage, you have worldly wisdom. James says, for where you have, wherever you have, envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every, every evil practice. Do you know why couples commit adultery? Do you know why people have an affair? It's because of selfishness. 
I want what I want. I want my needs met. It's about me. It's selfishness. Do you know why couples fire verbal missiles? They're in a time of disputing. They're in a time of disagreement. And instead of handling it in a biblical way, couples fire verbal missiles. They launch missiles at each other and they degrade each other and they talk about each other and they rip one another to shreds. Do you know why that takes place in in marriages? It's selfishness. I want what I want and I'm not getting what I want. So I'm going to degrade you. I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to rip you to shreds so that I can get what I want. I'm going to control you and manipulate you because I want something and I'm not getting it. It, It's selfishness. Do you know why some couples get physically abusive and they slap and they push and they punch? You know why? It's selfishness. I want what I want and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I want because really it's all about, it's about me. You see, here's what I know. If your marriage is struggling today, I don't need to hear all the symptoms and what's in the case. I can tell you the exact problem. Somebody in that marriage if not both, are selfish. They're full of themselves. And wherever there's worldly wisdom, wherever there's selfishness and selfish ambition, the Scripture says there will be disorder and every evil practice. Look with me, the the very next verse, James 3 and verse 17. And and James now switches gears in this portion of Scripture. And he now gives us some, some characteristics of godly wisdom. James says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, it comes from God, is first of all. He says, listen, if you're operating your marriage by godly wisdom, your marriage will possess these qualities. They will possess these attributes. And what I want you to do today, and, and, and I did this this week, and, and I didn't do great on all of them. I want you to take the wisdom test with me today. The wisdom test. And as we go through these attributes of, of operating our life and our marriages by godly wisdom, would you be honest with yourself? Would you be real with yourself? I, I was real with myself, and, and, and everything wasn't all that pretty. And I want you to be, be real with yourself and take the wisdom test with me. James says if you're operating your life and your marriage by, by godly wisdom, first of all, it'll be pure. In other words, the spouses don't have hidden agendas and, and impure motives. They, they're not trying to advance their own personal agenda. They, they want to please God in their marriage. They want their marriage to be holy and to honor the Lord. It'll be pure. He says the, the second thing that you'll see if somebody is operating their life by godly wisdom, it will be peace-loving. In other words, both spouses are peacemakers, not hell raisers. How many of you married to a hell raiser? Don't lift your hand. Just look at me. You may... <laughs> if your marriage is full of godly wisdom, you're, you're promoting peace in your marriage. You value peace in your home. He says the third thing that'll be evident in, 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 in somebody's life and marriage, if they're operating by godly wisdom, is they'll be considerate. This means each spouse is putting the other person's needs before theirs. They're not self-seeking. It's not all about them. They want to find out. Here's the key. If you are operating by godly wisdom and you're being considerate, you want to find out what pleases your spouse, what satisfies your spouse, and you want to do it. You want to see their needs met. You want to see them satisfied and and happy in in that marriage relationship. You're you're considerate. The scripture says in Philippians 2 and and verse number 3, and this portion of scripture would revolutionize every marriage on planet earth if it was put into practice. 
Philippians 2 and verse 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Man, man I'm not there yet. I haven't mastered the scripture. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should, not only, should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Well, if we apply that in our marriages, it would revolutionize the relationship. If we would quit focusing only on our needs, if we would get our eyes off ourselves and be considerate and get our eyes on our spouse and their needs. He says the fourth thing that will be evident if you're operating your life by godly wisdom is sub- submissive. You'll be submissive. In other words, both spouses are teachable. They aren't a bunch of know-it-alls. They, they value one another's opinions. They, they listen to one another's feelings and, and what they have to say. They're, they're a team. They, they operate with, with teamwork. I, I like the word. What they have is mutual submission. Mutual submission. The scripture says in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and, and verse number 21. Now, now, now most Christ followers, they, they know verse 22, but, but they skip verse 21. Verse 22 says, wives submit to your husbands uh, as, as to the Lord. And then it goes on to say, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. But, but, but Paul sets up the, the entire context for a Christian relationship in verse 21. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, in every Christian relationship, the, 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 the number one common denominator ought to be there's mutual submission. And what Paul does is he sets it up. He says, here's the overriding principle in every Christian relationship. Submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then what he does in verse 22 on down is he says, here's how it plays out in the marriage relationship. Husband and wives. Then in chapter 6 he says, let me show you how it plays out with children and parents. Then he goes on in chapter 6 in Ephesians, chapter 6, and he says, here's how it plays out with the employer and the employee relationship. There's mutual submission. Now, now as the scripture says, I, I, I'm the leader in, in my home. God's called the, the, the man, the husband, to, to be the leader in, in the home. But yet there's, there's this teamwork. There's this mutual submission. I don't go home and, and, and say to my wife, I just want you to know, Tiffany, this is what we're doing and you better like it. Might be the last time I come home. I value my wife's opinion. I want to know what she thinks. She she has that intuition and and discernment, and I talk to her. We make decisions together. There's there's mutual mutual submission. I'm the leader of of the home, but but there's mutual submission. Like in any team, any team has to have a leader. A football team has a coach. A, a, a company has a CEO. But, there, there, but there's mutual submission. It's the same thing in the workplace with employer and employee relationship. I, I'm the leader of people's church, but I value my team's opinion. That, that they come to me and, and they give me advice and say, Pastor, I think we ought to hire that person. I think we ought to make this move. I think we ought to do this. I, and, and I listen to their, their opinion. I value what they have to say. I don't go, well, I'm the pastor. No, I, because we, it's teamwork. It's mutual submission. And, and, and James says, listen, if, if you have, have godly wisdom, there'll be submission, mutual submission. Number five, he points out it'll be full of mercy. And when a marriage is functioning with godly wisdom, there's a lot of mercy. The spouses aren't judgmental. They aren't critical of each other. They aren't nitpicking each other. They aren't holding grudges against one another. The relationship is full. Everybody say Full. How many know if you're going to be married a long time and it's going to be thriving, it better be full of mercy. Full of mercy. He says it'll have good fruit. It'll have good fruit. 
If you have godly wisdom in your marriage, you're doing good deeds toward one another, you're doing kind acts to each other, you're, you're being nice to each other, you're doing special things to please one another, it, it's full of good fruit. He said it's impartial. In other words, uh, that they don't just see their point of view. That they're willing to put down their likes and their dislikes for the best interest of the marriage relationship. It's impartial that people who operate by godly wisdom, he goes on to say, and say it's sincere. Each spouse, they're, they're genuine with each other. They're not hypocrites. They don't say one thing to their spouse and then do another. The relationship is it's, it's sincere. He goes on to say, and I love this, he goes full circle and he says, it's full of peace. Notice what he says in verse 18. If you have godly wisdom in your life and in your marriage, it'll be full of peace. James 3 and verse 18 says, peacemakers who sow in peace. I mean, if you're a follower of Christ and you're submitted to Christ, there ought to be peace that's very evident in your life. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. You see, you, you can think you're awfully spiritual. You come to church and you sing the song, say, Lord, I love you and I give you praise. Oh, pastor, a beautiful message. And then you go back home and all you do is cause trouble and stir up a bunch of stuff and, and raise Cain and, and, and there's no peace in your home. You're lacking spiritual maturity because when there's godly wisdom, when there's godly wisdom in a marriage and there's godly wisdom that, that people are operating by in their life, their life is full of peace. Their home is, is full of peace. Just examine your life. Is, is, is your life full of peace? Are your relationships full of peace? Is your marriage full of peace? It's a characteristic of operating your life by godly wisdom. There's a third point that, that I want us to see today. Number three, why aren't marriages, uh, why are they just surviving? Number three is this, people won't let go of their pride. Friends, that the only way to start operating your marriage by godly wisdom, that the only way that, that your marriage can start thriving and not just surviving is you must let go of your pride and humble yourself. You must let go of all the pride that's in your heart and humble yourself. Friends, the key to godly wisdom is humility. Listen to what James says as we begin the, the very uh, first part of, of these verses as James talks about wisdom. James 3 and verse 13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility. Everybody say humility. Don't miss this. The deeds done in the humility. Where does this humility come? That comes from wisdom. That comes from godly wisdom. You know what destroys so many marriages? It's, it's pride. And, and you know you're full of pride when you never think you're wrong. You know you're full of pride when you never say you're sorry. You know you're, you're full of pride when you think that your spouse is the only problem in your marriage. <laughs> you're full of pride. And I tell you the problem in my marriage. It's her. It's him. You're, you're full of pride. You, you know you're full of pride if... Today, your spouse is sitting next to you, or maybe your spouse is not here, and you're thinking, boy, I wish they were here because they need this more than anybody, and I hope he or she's listening. You better be listening because you need what that preacher's saying, and you're full of pride. If you're not getting anything out of this message, if you think you're fine, I'm not fine. If you just think you're just fine, you're full of, of pride. And here's, here's what you have to understand. 
When, when you're full of pride, you stop God from working in your life and in your marriage. You stop God from working in, in your marriage. The, the scripture says in, in, in the very next chapter, James says in chapter 4 and verse 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Church, God opposes the proud. God, God in other words, works against the proud. He, he resists the proud. God says, I resist the marriage that is built on pride and selfishness. God says, I can't work. I can't help the marriage who, 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 that is built on, on pride. And you know what so many people do? So many Christ followers God, I really need you to help my marriage. God, you see, we're struggling. The marriage is just surviving. It's going south. Oh, God, please help my marriage. And God says, I can't because you're full of yourself and you're full of pride. And though you call out on me, my hands are tied because of, of pride. And Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 5 and, and, and verse number 5. He says, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, men and women, boys and girls, all of you, no one's exempt. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Why? Why should we do that? Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He goes on to say, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due season, in due time. Friends, the, the, the answer to the selfish marriage problem is to replace yourself with God. Some of you thought today, I, I know the answer, I know the problem is I need to remove myself, get my eyes off myself, and get my eyes on my spouse, and then my marriage will be different. God says, no, no, you're missing. What you need to do is, is remove yourself and put me in the place. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Start living by, by my principles. Start operating your life and your marriage by godly wisdom. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. And, and some of you are going past you. I mean, that's easy for you to say, but you don't know my situation. You don't know what my spouse is doing to me. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know how they let me down. You don't know how they disappointed me. You don't know the trust that's broken in our relationship. That's easy for you to say, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. It's not about your spouse. It's about God. It's about humbling yourself under God's mighty hand. But, Pastor, you don't understand. If I start treating my spouse with godly wisdom, if I start humbling myself before the Lord and obeying his word, my spouse is not going to do it back to me. I'm not going to get it reciprocated. I'm not going to get the love back. It's not about your spouse. It's about humbling yourself before the Lord. It's about operating with godly wisdom and obeying God and God. If you'll do that, if you'll humble yourself, because, listen, manipulation control, yelling, screaming, it will never bring lasting change. You can rant and rave and scream and yell. You can put Bible verses up and act like a fool all you want, but it won't bring lasting change. Only God changes a person's heart. So God says, listen, humble yourself under my mighty hand, and I will lift you up. You say, well, Pastor, I'm at the end of my ropes. I don't have much strength left. 
I don't know if I, I can hold on. I don't know if I can do it. And here's what God says. If you'll humble yourself under my mighty hand, I'll give you grace. Listen, God gives grace to the humble. He'll fill your marriage full of grace. He'll give you the strength to keep going. Pastor, they're not doing me right. I'll give you grace. Humble yourself. Humble yourself under God. I'll give you grace. Pastor, my spouse is still doing me wrong, but, but God will give you grace if you'll humble yourself. Pastor, I just feel like I'm at the end of my rope. The marriage is going. God, I'll give you grace. I'll give you grace. I'll give you strength to make it if you'll humble yourself under my mighty hand. And then Scripture says he will lift you up in due time. That's where it gets difficult. Here's where many people miss it because you and I want to think that due time means I heard the message this morning. I'm going to apply it tonight, Monday, and Tuesday. And by Wednesday, I better have a breakthrough. He better be changed by Wednesday. And that's not what the Scripture says. It says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. He will lift you up in, in due season. Some people, their, their due season was two or three months, and and they humbled themselves under God's mighty hand. And, and you know what that does when you humble yourself under God's mighty hand? It gives God an opportunity to do a miracle in your situation. And God stepped in and he did a miracle in that marriage in two or three months. For some people, due time is, is two or three years. And they've been faithful to do what they know to do. And they're humbling themselves under God's mighty hand. They're operating with godly wisdom. And two or three years, God lifts them up. It's, it's due time. God does a miracle. For some people, it's, it's ten years. 15 years, I've been faithful to God and, and honoring God and humbling themselves under God's mighty hand. And, and things seem not to be changing. Your spouse is not any different, but you say, God, I'm faithful to you. I'm going to treat my spouse right. I'm going to operate by godly wisdom. And 10, 15 years later, you see, I've seen it. God showed up in a marriage and he did a miracle. He changed a heart. He restored a marriage. God says, here's the key, here's the key, here's the key. Get yourself out of the way. Get your eyes off yourself. Quit trying to control and manipulate. Quit yelling and screaming and acting like a fool. Listen, listen, listen. Quit operating by worldly wisdom. Humble yourself under my mighty hand and watch me work a miracle in due time. Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks today that you're working in this place. Lord, I, I'm not naive. There are some people.